The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. In today's sermon, we continue looking at the topic of fornication. You may recall that we're in a series entitled Mortifying Your Members. In Colossians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul tells us that in order to serve God like we ought to, we must first keep our minds on things above and not on earthly things, and we must mortify or murder some things that are in our lives. The first member that he tells us we must murder is fornication. It makes sense, doesn't it? Isn't fornication the primary sin that is thrust in our faces today? Throughout our culture, fornication is glorified and promoted. But what does God say about it? And how can we deal with it? Join us today as we continue looking at fornication and how to mortify that particular member. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
you'll turn this morning to Colossians chapter 3, we're going to go back to what we were talking about for the last couple of Sundays. If you recall that Colossians is a book that kind of parallels Ephesians, it's a little shorter than the book of Ephesians, but one of the things that I love about the way Paul writes, especially in Ephesians and Colossians, is in the first few chapters he lays out the foundational principles of the faith. You know, in Ephesians 1 and verse 4, we find the most clear statement of election we'll have, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. And he goes on to talk about predestination. He talks about sanctification. He talks about all the things that are important to us in an eternal sense. But then he also then turns and based upon that foundation, he tells us how we ought to live and act within the kingdom of God and in our daily lives. Because by the way, the kingdom of God is not just here on Sunday morning. The kingdom of God is within you. It's wherever you and I go throughout this world, where we go on Monday, where we go on Tuesday, where we go on Thursday. You know, I can do pretty good Monday and Tuesday. You know, the, the, the preaching or the studying, if I've been preached to or if I've had to preach, uh, the, the, the preaching carries me through for a couple of days. But by the time we get to Thursday, if we hadn't had a Wednesday night service, I'm losing it. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's dissipating, and I need, I need to be encouraged to stay in the Word and to stay focused upon the kingdom. In Colossians 3, we begin reading in verse 1, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Here's some of those foundational things. If you are a child of God, if you've been born of the Spirit, you're dead to this world, but you're alive in Christ. And one day Christ is coming back and the hope of the resurrection should sustain you. And then he says in verse 5, mortify therefore. Okay, notice that therefore. I heard Brother Sonny Pyle say this one time. He said, when you read a therefore in the scripture, you better ask what it's there for. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and that means it's referring you back to something. He's saying, based upon what I've just told you about what we have in Christ, there are now some things that you and I need to do. It's not the things we need to do to get to heaven. Because there's nothing we could do to get to heaven. A lot of, people, a lot of places you'll hear that preach. You've got to... Do more good works and bad works. I'm thankful it's not that way because I would never qualify to enter heaven. But because Christ was perfect and Christ paid my sin debt, now there's some things I ought to do. And the first thing I ought to do is mortify some things. And that word literally means murder. Murder. I've sort of titled this series, Murdering Your Members. And no, I don't mean killing the members in the church. <laughs> I'm talking about murdering some members of your body, some things in your body and in your flesh, putting them to death because that's the way we need to serve the Lord. So he says, mortify some things. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, and then he lists them. And you may recall last time we had started looking at the very first one, and that one is a doozy. Fornication. Fornication. Remember, we looked last time at what fornication is. And basically, fornication is any sexual activity outside the bounds of marriage. That's, that's what it is, simply and, and clearly. And, you know, and let me just say this, too. I said this last time, so I'm not going to belabor it this time. These are not comfortable things for me to preach about, 
Okay? They're not the things that I got up this morning and said, yay, I can't wait to talk about fornication <laughs> in the pulpit, of all things. But the problem with where we are today, with the fornication that's rampant in the world and that's promoted and pushed upon us, is because people would not preach it from the pulpit. And parents haven't talked about it in the home. And we haven't read about it in the scripture, you see. We didn't get here overnight. We didn't go from Lucy and Desi Arnaz, married couple on TV, sleeping in separate beds on TV, because that was the standard then, to the point where we see advertisements with same-sex couples and transgender people promoted in this world. We didn't get there overnight. You know how we got there? We got there a little step at a time. The old Chinese proverb says, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. A single step. Nobody went to bed last night free from drugs and woke up this morning addicted. It was one step at a time, you see. And the point I'm making is this, is that we didn't get here overnight. <clears throat> and the way we got here was by neglecting to preach and to teach these things. Now, I'm not talking about necessarily the preachers that I know, but I'm talking about in general, in the religious world, it's not focused upon. And in fact, the theme song that I see out in the world today is pretty much anything goes. Anything goes. I want to assure you, Brother Mackey knows this, anything goes is not the theme song of the church. There is truth. There's a foundation upon which it's built. The, the, the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. We're built upon the truth and we should hold the truth up for everyone to see. We mentioned this and I'm going to mention it again. We need to be careful in the way we look at what's going on in the world today, too. I realize that the homosexual movement and homosexuality in general is the end of a long line of degradation. I understand that. And there are consequences to sins here in this life that are different based upon what sin you commit. But don't ever think that homosexuality and all the things that are happening today is some kind of separate category. You know what it is? It's just fornication. And my point is this, is we can't be okay with adultery. We can't be okay with boys will be boys. We can't be okay with it's all right to sow your wild oats and then say, oh, but not with homosexuality. It's all under the umbrella of fornication, okay? Now, we talked about it. If you want to hear it, go listen to the podcast when I put it up. We talked about what a problem homosexuality is. But just understand that it's all under the umbrella of fornication. We can't pick and choose which sins we condemn. So with that said, I want to talk to you this morning, not so much about what fornication is, because we've dealt with that, but I want to talk to you this morning, if the Lord will be my helper, about what fornication does, what it does to us, okay? Because see, there's a specific problem, there's a specific way in which fornication works. Turn with me back over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, just for a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 15. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Now look at verse 18. We're going to come back to that hopefully today, if not next time. But notice what it says about fornication. It doesn't say fight fornication. It doesn't say stand against fornication. It says flee fornication. 
I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but you want to know how to mortify this particular member, fornication? Flee it. Don't be stoic and say, I can withstand the temptation. You cannot withstand the temptation. God knows that. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. So, let's talk for a few minutes about fornication and what it does. The first thing we need to remember is that fornication will deceive your heart. It will deceive your heart. And as a matter of fact, over in John chapter 8 and verse 44, when, when Jesus is talking to those Pharisees there and accuses them of being of their father, the devil, he says, Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. So his design is your death, you see. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So here's the point we need to take about the devil. The devil's design is death and his method is deceit. Let me say to you, if the devil walked in the door today dressed in a black overcoat with a pitchfork and a long forked tail with red skin smoking, we wouldn't have any trouble identifying him, would we? We'd jump up and run out. I'd be the first one. <laughs> We'd flee him. But that's the problem. The devil doesn't come to us that way. The devil comes to us with a banquet table in front of him. He comes to us with all kinds of precious gifts and, and things that he can entice us with. But he is a deceiver and he has always tempted man with false promises. And as a matter of fact, one of the biggest things that he does is he tells us, well, God is just denying you something that you really need and could benefit from. And it's easy for him to operate this way. You know why? Because Jeremiah tells us in chapter 17 and verse 9 that the heart, our heart, you know, they, they tell us, give your heart to God, right? <laughs> well, I heard Brother Spann, I've shared this with you, Brother Spann, Raymond Spann told me his granddaddy, who was a preacher, used to say, what would he do with a nasty old thing? Because <laughs> what does it say about the heart? The heart is deceitful. It's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. See, it's not about us giving God our heart. It's about God giving us a new heart. See, he's got to give us a new heart. He's got to give us a heart of flesh, not of the fleshly lust, but a heart that's tender and not stony. But our heart, we're told by Jeremiah, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And you see, because of that, the devil has a ripe field to sow his deceitful seed in. Because he can, he's a deceiver and our hearts will deceive us, you see. As a matter of fact, is that not exactly what he did when he introduced sin into this world? Is that not exactly? Look with me back over to Genesis chapter 3 just for a minute. What is it that he tempted Eve with? He tempted Eve with illicit knowledge. He tempted Eve who, with, with a promise that if she would just do what he said, things would be so much better. You know, that's what the devil does today. And particularly in the area of fornication. He tempted Eve by saying, why is God denying you this knowledge? Why is he denying you this blessing? 
Look at what he says in verse 1, chapter Genesis 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Ladies, this is not a snake like you know it today. <laughs> I, don't know of a, I don't know of any women and very few men that wouldn't run from a snake, okay? Or run to get the shotgun or run to get the hoe and try to take care of a snake. That's not the way it was in the, oh, in the, in the times of Eden. When, when the Garden of Eden was there, it was a subtle, beautiful creature. Very cunning. And here's what he said. He said to the woman, Yea, hath God said. <laughs> Young folks and old folks, okay? All of us. When somebody comes to you questioning God, you better flee from them. You better be careful. Because that's the first temptation. That's the first deceit that the devil ever promoted. He said, yea, hath God said? Has God really said this? Has God really said these things? And, you know, he began by questioning the word of God, and he still does that today. Maybe it's by watering down some of these newer translations and leaving out some verses that are very important. Or maybe it's just simply by questioning whether it even still applies. Oh, we're in the 21st century. That old 3,000-year-old book it can't have any application to us today. But notice he said, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now, I've said this many times here, but I want to reemphasize it today. Notice the second thing he does is he twists the word of God. He twists it. That's not what God said. Turn back to Genesis chapter 2 and in verse uh, uh 16, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. God's initial commandment was not one of denial, but one of granting their greatest desires. Beloved, God is the great giver of our heart's desires. He's not out there trying to deny us things. There's only one tree, he said, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. Now notice, notice what he's done here. He said, all of this bounty is yours, child of God. Adam, Eve, you can have it all. Just this one little tree, this one thing, just leave it alone. Did you know that's the way God is today still? The bounty of his grace is that we can enjoy this world. We can enjoy the things of this world to a greater extent than we ever could before we were born again. But there's just some things we need to avoid. But you know why we need to avoid them? Because God knows they're not good for us. You know, Cal was crawling around on the floor a few, a few days ago. I happened to be over there and he, he's getting close to the, to the electrical outlet. You know, why do kids, they're just drawn to that. You ever notice, <laughs> they're just drawn to that. Here he goes with his finger, you know. And I was like, no, no. Well, he didn't like granddaddy telling him no, you know. <laughs> but I was doing it for his own good because I knew what would happen. I knew what would, it would hurt him. And you see, that's what God is doing here. Satan tempt, twisted what God said, did not quote it properly. So let me just say this to you. Whenever anybody comes to you uh, quoting the word of God, you better make sure they're quoting it right. Brother Sonny Pyle said this too. He said, don't try to tell me what a verse means till you know what it says. Make sure you're quoting it right. Make sure you're reading it right. And then you can try to delve into its meaning. And then notice in verse 3, 
or verses 2 and 3, the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, that God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. I don't want to spend too much time on that, but notice that Eve is already adding to the Word of God. God didn't say don't touch it. God said don't eat of it. Now, I realize you've got to touch it to eat of it, but he, see, the problem you got here is, is when you start adding to the Word of God, like she did, look at her, look what happened to her later. She reaches up and touches it. She didn't die, right? Don't tell your children, for example. Don't say, kids, drinking beer will kill you. If you drink one beer, you'll die. Well, you could. You could. I get that. But when they drink one beer and they don't die, then the next thing you know, they say, well, daddy must not be telling me the truth about other things. You see, tell them the truth. There's pleasure in sin for a season. There's plenty, you know, that you're not going to generally die on the first hit of meth you take. That's generally not going to kill you the first time. It can, and you're playing with fire. But my point is this, is that here she's added to the Word of God, and it didn't happen, so, oh, well, it must be okay, you see. But I don't want to go spend too much time on that. Look at verse 4, though. The serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. So he began by questioning the Word of God, and then he twisted the Word of God, and now he's contradicting the Word of God. And then I want you to notice in verse 5, and this is where it really gets down to where we live. <clears throat> For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You see, here's what the devil does best of all. He questions God's motives. He questions God's love for us. He's saying here to them, listen, God knows some things you don't, and he knows these things will be good for you, and he's trying to keep them from you. He's trying to hide these things from you. And that's the same ploy that he uses today. He questions the word. He twists the word. He contradicts the word. And then he says, God doesn't really love you anyway. Isn't that the problem the disciples had on the sea out there? You know, when the, the waters started overpowering the ship and overflowing the ship and they began to think that they were going to drown, you know, they didn't say, Lord, they didn't just go to him and say, Lord, can you calm the sea? Or they didn't, certainly didn't go to him and say, Lord, I know you can calm the sea. Will you do it? No, what they went to him and said was, don't you love us? Don't you care that we perish? You're not even doing anything, Lord. <laughs> don't you care about us? Isn't that where we tend to go in grief, in tragedy, in troubles? We go there. I've been there. Maybe you haven't, but I suspect you have. I have been there. Well, I said, well, God, you must not love me or these things wouldn't happen to me. Job went there. And that's just the devil that's the devil trying to, trying to tell us that God does not really love us. In the area of fornication that we're talking about today, here is what the devil will tell you. The devil will tell you that God is trying to deny you something that would be good for you, that would be pleasurable, that is something that would bring you fulfillment. And you might as well go out there and engage it in any way besides We've gotten past the scriptures, surely, in the age, and we've evolved beyond these old-fashioned writings. <laughs> but you know, I read about a man named Moses over in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. And it was said of Moses that he 
rather than engaging in the pleasure of sin for a season, he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. And here's the point that we should take from that. He, there is pleasure in sin for a season. But nothing that the world offers will ever bring us true fulfillment. Fornication does not bring fulfillment. God, God, the devil will tell you that God is trying to deny you something. But God put the marriage wall around the physical relationship between a man and a woman not to rob you, child of God, but rather to protect you. To protect you. You see, fornication does not bring fulfillment. There's pleasure in sin for a season, but fornication, the devil will deceive your heart if you're not careful. And also what fornication will do, it will help you justify your actions. You can come up with all kinds of justifications. And back over in 1 Corinthians again in, in chapter 6. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Notice the justifications that the Corinthians came up with. I want to back up a little bit from where we read earlier to verse 12. And notice what Paul is dealing with here. He says this, all things are lawful unto me. Now I want to say to you, child of God, if you're a child of God who's been born of the Spirit, praise God, you have liberty in Christ, and there is nothing you can do that will send you to hell. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. That does not justify, he's going to say it in a moment. That doesn't mean you can live any way you want to. I heard of, heard of a woman one time that spoke to a preacher that I used to know, and he, this is not the way to respond to this, by the way, but uh, she told him, said, well, preacher, if I believe the way you did, I'd live any way I, any way I wanted to. And he said, amen, lady, I believe you would. <laughs> That's not the way to respond to that. And by the way, if you'll ever notice, it's only people who don't believe like we do that say that. If you really understand grace, you'll know that there is no license to go out and do whatever you want. But praise God, because we're fallen creatures, God knew that he had to save us for eternity. Because otherwise, we would fall from grace. We would fall from it if it was up to us. But Paul says here, all things are lawful unto me, but... All things are not expedient. He says, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Notice what Paul is saying here. He's saying, I've got liberty. I'm a child of God. I've got liberty in Christ. But everything that I, I may be free to do some things, but those things are not expedient for me. Expedient just means profitable. Over in Galatians, the fifth chapter, I believe it is, in verse 13, Paul wrote that, he said, you've been called under liberty, but use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. You can commit murder and still go to heaven. Paul is an example of that. I could have convicted Paul of murdering Stephen. He held their coats as an accomplice while they stoned him. You can commit murder and still go to heaven, but what horrible consequences you will experience here. There are people on death row today who I fully expect I will see in heaven. But you see, the consequences of their actions here were so terrible. And that's what he's saying here. There's things I can do that are maybe lawful under the sense that I'm not under the law anymore, but they're sure not profitable for me. That's what the Corinthians apparently were saying. They were saying, look, 
It's okay to eat these things that were dedicated to idols where in that day the fornication that was rampant was even found in the pagan worship out there. They, they, during, during their religious ceremonies, they would have uh, temple prostitutes that would actually engage in sexual activity during their worship service. And they said, it's okay, that's not a big deal. And we can, you know, in the, Roman, in the time of the Roman Empire, it was expected that a husband would have a mistress. That was just expected. If you didn't, you were strange. If you, now, I mean, there was a time, <laughs> there was a time in this world and, that we live in where that would have been strange. It's not quite so strange anymore, unfortunately, because of the way the society has promoted fornication. But, but my point is this, in that day, it was weird. You were considered weird if you were a man who was a Christian who was faithful to your wife. And those Corinthians were struggling with that. They were having trouble with that in that day. And Paul said, listen, all things are, they're all lawful. I, I have liberty, but everything is not profitable for me to do, especially now that I have this liberty, you see. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.